Here's the scenario. You've been injured in a serious accident. The doctor says your recovery could take months, maybe even years, yet your insurance company is denying your claim every step of the way. If something like this happens to you, call me, Brian Goldfinger of Goldfinger Personal Injury Law. We have offices in Toronto, London, Peterborough, and now Kitchener-Waterloo. Visit goldfingerlaw.com and get us working for you. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, this is the Raptors Reaction Podcast. I'm your host, Samson Folk, and you're tuning in after the Raptors loss, 113-99 to 99 against the Chicago Bulls. Once again, the winner of the matchup, DeMar DeRozan, Zach Levine with 26 points each. Very tidy performances. I mean, DeMar, he shot 11 of 14 from the field, even hit a three in this one, which isn't as much a surprise now as it used to be, but... That it's of note, and Zach Levine, while not as crazy efficient as Demar had, you know, a handful of assists. Guys like Vooch, you know, he plugged in as well. Alex Caruso, uh, Jamar Hines, my colleague at Raptors Republic, had a a tweet where he regarded this game as the ultimate non-box score game, and that's what Caruso did. Caruso's point of attack defense, the the pressure defense he was able to bring to the ball was just outstanding and really disrupted a lot of what the Raptors wanted to do in this game, especially in the third quarter when after after halftime, it looked like the Raptors were probably in a good position to win this game. And they avoided the half-court defense where Caruso got to affect a lot of them by doing the early work, especially in the first quarter. The Raptors scored 24 points. Eight of their points came because they pressed in transition or pseudo-transition, uh, secured a mismatch, and were able to get deep post-position and score from that from that area, whether it was getting a double and passing out or just going straight up with it, that was meaningful stuff. And they even took the lead, I think, in the third quarter, 62-61, after some clever play from from Cam, Pascal, and Fred. And, and you know, credit to Cam for the early part of this game, the first half, and a little bit of change afterwards. I think he was a great connective player. He gave them a bunch of extra possessions, and I was just really impressed with what he was able to do. But the Raptors eventually got to a point where the ball was forced out of Pascal Siakam's hands. I think everybody who's been kind of observing this series between these two teams over the course of the year has noticed that Siakam is the guy who has the most inherent advantages, especially if Lonzo or Caruso are in the lineup. Lonzo isn't back yet, but they can definitely throw a lot at Fred. And even though Patrick Williams rejoined the lineup as well, which is cool and fun for Bulls fans and just the league overall when young players are healthy, that's a good thing. But my goodness, uh, the Bulls, even with Patrick Williams, they they don't have a guy who can guard Pascal Siakam in space. And Pascal had his way for a large part of the game in the late fourth quarter when the Bulls were kind of over blitzing. They they didn't feel like they had to do it anymore. They had built up enough of a lead. And and they, they did some blitzing early on in the game, but Pascal Siakam was pretty good at escaping it and keeping it pushing and Enough of the jumpers were going down early, even though, you know, at the end of this game, the Raptors, I think they finished shooting. Yeah, six of 32 from downtown in this game. A, a meaningless Armani, well, not meaningless for Armani, but Armani hit a three at the end. For the most of the game, they were shooting like 17%. It was really tough to swallow, but there was some jump shooting to s- supplement what Pascal was doing. But especially in the third quarter, 
The Raptors pushed really hard to get the ball out of his hands. They turned the ball over way too often. I mean, when we look at the big difference in this game, it's points off of turnovers. The Bulls 29, the Raptors 5. The Raptors, one of the biggest things of their, you know, that supplements their offense and that they try and do on defense is force turnovers. And obviously they weren't very capable of it in this game. And that's where a guy like DeMar DeRozan really helps slow down what the Raptors are trying to do. And he's a great uh, he's a great stopper in a couple ways because Precious Achua got the check on DeRozan from the start and DeRozan didn't get anywhere near the hoop. He had one dunk in transition. That was really nice, but he was just hitting jumpers. And the Raptors, what recourse do you have besides having a big guy contest those shots, you know, to, to get to these situations where you're winning defensively? If DeMar's hitting shots, if he's going to shoot 80% from the floor, that's what's going to happen. Because DeMar, you know, you can trap and you can double, but why would you trap and double when guys like Zach Levine, who is one of the you know most efficient and voluminous scoring guards in the game, would be on the other side of that double? Or Nikola Vucevic, who is headed down your offensively, but still can certainly make you pay. It just doesn't make a ton of sense. And the Raptors decided to stick with single coverage because, you know, they did a pretty good job of limiting how good the looks were, but you can't always limit outcome. And so the Bulls, when the Raptors had it going early, uh, they did a really good job of just hanging with the Raptors. The Raptors were getting great looks on the inside. The The Raptors, as I was talking about, doing early work, relying on Pascal's ability to get to the rim, to get to the short mid range and just be the wonderful player that he is. But once they turned up the defensive intensity, once the Raptors' three-point shots really, really dried up and Fred Van Vliet started forcing a bit, Scotty Barnes wasn't able to create the way that he has been typically lately. And everything dried up for the Raptors on that end. It was a really... Man, the the stretch from like the middle around, well, maybe like eight minutes left in the third quarter, maybe maybe even a little bit closer to seven. But the Bulls broke out a run where... You know, they they went from down to to up 12. And that was really tough to stomach for the Raptors. Too many turnovers in that space and time. They established offense way too slow. One play that really sticks out like a sore thumb. And it's nobody's fault, really, you know, in, in specificity. It's just they took, I think, from... I think they started initiating their offensive set, which was a Scotty post up with 10 or 9 seconds left on the shot clock. Everything else was either bringing the ball up the floor or stuck above the break. They weren't threatening whatsoever. And then Scotty, I think, threw the ball, like, honestly, like 10, 15 feet, maybe, over Precious Situa's head in the corner. And there was just quite a few plays in this one. Like, a, it was in the fourth quarter, so it didn't matter. But Precious Situa is running the break. He has Scotty on the wing. And he tries to kind of do, like, this very slick, you know, bounce pass with his right hand that obviously got intercepted because there wasn't any juice on it. And in transition, when you know NBA defenders are running back, if you hang a bounce pass, that is getting squeezed by the other team. You, they're, they're NBA defenders, NBA players are too big. If they're running back on in the court full speed, like in transition, you hang a bounce pass, they're going to run right into it. And, and that is what happened. But you know, them's the breaks. This was just, the Bulls' defense was better. They they had way better point of attack defense. And even when there were, and that's the thing, is like there are ebbs and flows in the game of basketball and where 
the Raptors were playing good point of attack defense and they were limiting where the Bulls were able to get to. And Scotty Barnes was, you know, Scotty Barnes, Precious Situa in their time on DeRozan or Levine were doing okay and getting them to spots where the Bulls are still comfortable, but that's the best option for the Raptors. Currently, that uh, that didn't go well for the Raptors because the shooting performance was too good. Then by the time that the game kind of continued on and Scotty Barnes was taking these really long circled routes to try and track DeMar DeRozan and DeMar was being pinpoint and very straight in where he was getting the ball and working off ball and that left Scotty kind of in the dust. You know, it wasn't as sharp. Then DeMar was able to get the easier looks on the floor. It's not always stagnant. It's not always static in basketball. And the Raptors, for their part, they just didn't have the same shooting performance. It was really ugly from downtown, and they didn't have the turnovers to buoy it. As much as they did just really show out as far as, like, offensive rebounding, especially in the first half. I mean, they finished with 14, which is really good, but this this was a, a game where the Raptors just struggled immensely to create anything, and it was largely the product of, I, I would say, the, the great uh, ball pressure defense of Alex Caruso, and then you know, the rest of the team defense just chipping in and doing pretty well uh, in those spaces too. But the Raptors, it's tough to say self-inflicted, but, you know, a lot of, and because the bull shots so well, but a lot of this could have been cleaned up by the Raptors being a little bit better with the ball and not fueling so many points for the Bulls out on the break, especially when the Bulls didn't have a lot going and we're just reliant on DeMar DeRozan jumpers and stuff like that. But Them's the breaks in this game sometimes, and you, you can't ever you can't ever just play one way during a game. I mean, you know, maybe it's happened a few times over the season where the Raptors don't have to switch things up. I mean, Nick Nurse after the Philadelphia game said that he didn't they they threw out less defensive schemes than he expected them to because they were having such great success with handling Embiid, Harden, and Maxi with what they were doing, and the the adjustment didn't really come that. He didn't have to make an adjustment on the other side of things. And and that's true. Coaches a lot of times are expecting to make certain things happen and to adjust certain things. Like maybe it'll work for this five-minute stretch, then we have to switch it up. But you don't go out expecting any one thing to work. And if it does, you just kind of you take a seat and say, hell yeah. And the Bulls got to do that for a nice long stretch, especially at the end of the third quarter. They're hitting a lot of threes. They're getting a lot of stops. And the Raptors are having a lot of trouble keeping anything bad from happening. And, you know, as I said earlier, them's the breaks. Chris Boucher, I think, deserves quite a bit of love for his performance. 19 and 10. He brought so much energy into this game. The four offensive rebounds. Just working really hard to get to the front of the basket. Uh, putting his body on the line consistently to get after the ball on both sides of the floor. And, you know, a little bit of shot-making pop as well. One of four from downtown isn't anything to write home about, but Fred Van Vliet shoots 38% from three, and he was three of 12 in this game. And he's shooting less than 40% since returning from the All-Star break and less than 30% from three. So this is kind of the run they've been on. Pascal Siakam continues to be an all-NBA-level talent. He was in this game. He was still super, super impressive. But if the Raptors can operate with no shooters out there and the shooters that they do have continue to underperform, which Trent Jr., uh, Fred Van Vliet have absolutely been doing, and OG Ananobi, please come back to the lineup soon. Uh, this is this is going to be the outcome a lot of the time. And uh, the defense wasn't good enough on the other end to drive turnovers and to help get them back in this game. So the the blueprint for this game didn't uh it didn't go to plan i would say the raptors probably had an idea of what they wanted to do 
And I would say that probably not a, not a lot of what happened lined up with their idea of success. And, you know, second night of a back-to-back, them's the breaks. Reggie Evans Award, it's uh, Chris Boucher. I just talked about why, you know, he, he would have earned it. But yeah, that's the guy who wins it. And uh, the quick react, the top comment from the quick reaction is from Niagara underscore dude. Quote, this loss is not the end of the world. Raptors are tired from playing a late game yesterday in Philly and Bulls were well rested. Either way, there's no East team that are going to want to play the Raptors in the playoffs. If they get hot, I could see this team going on a huge playoff run. I still cannot see the value of Thad for a first rounder. Yes, that could change in the playoffs, but right now that trade makes little sense, end quote. Uh, yeah, the Raptors, I think, have the best record versus teams over 500 in the Eastern Conference at now 24 and 18. I guess the Heat have a chance to beat it at because they're 23 and 17, but the Raptors have been punching up at some of the best teams in the league and you know, even even the 76ers who were completely healthy, the Raptors went in there without Fred Van Vliet and, you know, they won. This is a team that plays different than a lot of teams in the NBA. They have a lot of talent and they have a lot of size and they can confound and confuse a lot of teams. So, yeah, there's there's always going to be potential that the Raptors can find a great matchup and dominate them. Like the Raptors could win a first round series in five or six games if if things break right. You know, that that's completely in the cards. And as for uh, it not being a big deal, the loss, yeah, agreed there. And the value of that, yeah, I've talked about this on the podcast, is it's tough to see the upside of it, but it's really easy to see the downside of it. And those aren't the types of trades you really want to be making. But yeah, as you said, maybe Thad is just like a superhero playoff performer. I doubt it, but yeah, we'll see. And uh, the last thing I'll say before we get out of here, uh, some news for me. So uh, The Ringer... You know, their lead NBA writer, Kevin O'Connor, the the website that Bill Simmons owned and sold to Spotify. Uh, Raptors fans have been warring with the ringer for some time now. And because they felt that they don't get a fair shake in coverage by the ringer. Kevin O'Connor invited me on the podcast. I'll be doing that, I guess, tomorrow or today, depending when you're listening to it. So I'll be on the ringers, you know, uh, their flagship NBA podcast to talk about the Raptors and more than likely advocate for Pascal Siakam's All-NBA candidacy and Scotty Barnes's Rookie of the Year candidacy. So hopefully some uh, some media members listen to that one. But uh, yeah, the Raptors will have a voice on the ringer, at least for a moment. So that'll be cool. And if you're listening to this, I guess the morning of the 22nd, head over to raptorsrepublic.com. I have a big piece out uh, about Pascal Siakam and why he should be, you know, why he should make All-NBA this year. It's a pretty deep dive. So it's probably worth your time and should be pretty fun. So thanks for tuning in, whether you got into it in the morning or at night. Have a blessed day and goodbye.